Good morning, everybody. Amen. Good to be in God's house. Amen. Good to be in God's house. All right, everyone. We have a couple prayers, uh, uh, requests we want to make our needs uh, for this morning. And I um, want to pray for, uh, well, I want to pray for Margie again, Margie Alvarez, and uh, her back situation. It's kind of serious because she's seen the doctor about it. And again, we want to pray for uh, Brenda, our sister Brenda and Leon, uh, who uh, had a brother that passed this week. So uh, we want to uh, lift them up in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we want to pray for Margie right now, that you uh, place your hand upon her, Lord, and just just give her healing, Lord, in her back, Lord. Just uh, just work by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, you know, just, just uh, give healing to her back and and everything that needs uh, uh, healing, Lord, just touch her, Lord, by your spirit. Thank you, God. And, Father, we pray for Brenda and Leon and their whole family, Lord. And, uh, they lost their brother, Dale, uh, Lord, this last week, Lord. And we just pray your Holy Spirit of comfort, Lord, be upon them, Lord. Just comfort them with your presence and your peace and uh, be with them at this time, Lord. And help us, Lord, to love them and support them and, and just show them all the love that we can. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen this morning. So if uh, you notice, we've been going through our uh, the, book, the Gospel of John kind of a chapter at a time. Last week we were in chapter 5. We're actually going to ch skip chapter 6. Why? Well, I actually preached on that last October. <laughs> I preached on that here. So that was uh, the feeding of the 5,000. But um, we're going to get ready to go in chapter 7 in a little bit. You might want to turn there just to get ready. Uh, but we've been having some beautiful days, haven't we? Isn't it nice? Oh, my gosh, so wonderful. 74 yesterday. and I don't know what it's supposed to be today. But, uh, you know, we have a beautiful neighborhood. My wife and I love to walk, especially days like this, walk in our neighborhood. Uh, we have a couple favorite areas we like to walk, you know, the, the uh, La Loma uh, native gardens down here on Encina. Has anybody been there? Yeah, yeah. We like walking down there. We like to walk down at the uh, Dry Creek uh, Park, La Loma Dry Creek Park. Love that. And, uh, you know, we just like walking different roads and, you know, uh, talking different. So we like to talk about, of course, we're always holding hands. You might have noticed that, you know. So. <laughs> and talk about different things. My wife loves architecture and home design, so she points out the different home designs, and, and uh, I'm learning to appreciate those things. I better. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, uh, but she's teaching me, she, you know, as we walk, as we walk, walking. You know, uh, Mary, Mary Hawthorne, I don't know if she's here today, but she is a walker. Mary Hawthorne walks every morning. Uh, you know, early in the morning, she gets up and walks. Uh, Donna, you too, yeah, a lot of people. Oh with, oh, with Mary. You go with Mary. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And uh, go on long walks. You know, and the, and the Bible talks about walking in a symbolic, in a symbolic way. Uh, the Bible talks about walking as a lifestyle, someone's lifestyle. A walking uh, is in how you, how you accomplish your tasks, how you face temptation, how you how you uh, handle victory and how you uh, face defeat. 
how you express your joys and how you go through your sorrows. Walking, it's a lifestyle. It's, a, you, it's how you live. You know, as believers, we walk with the one who made us, amen? We walk with the one who mapped out a plan for our lives. We walk with the one who moves us as we pay attention to his lead. Walking. You know, Aristotle, back in ancient Greece, uh, there was a school called the Walking School of Philosophy. And Aristotle, it was named after the way Aristotle would teach his students. They, he would walk with them around Athens and teach them as they walked, so they learned as they walked. Uh, Jesus gives us an example of walking with God. You know, because we walk with the one who made us. And we're going to take a look now in John chapter 7. If you have a Bible with you, we'll look at John 7, 1 to 18. And uh, we're going to take a look at the, uh, Jesus' uh, lessons for us about walking with the Father. So if you, you're able and willing, if you can stand with me, and we'll read together. John 7, 1 to 18. It says... After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because he knew the Jews there were waiting to kill him, take his life. But when the Jewish feast of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because I testify what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I'm, I'm not yet going up to the feast. Because for me, the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is this man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed as they asked, how did this man get so much learning without having studied? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. I come from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does, does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Amen. You may be seated. May God's word be blessed. Amen, amen. Jesus, it had been six months since Jesus had left Judea. 
He had left Judea, the place where he, where he healed uh, the man at Bethesda. Do you remember? He healed him, and he healed him on the Sabbath. And the Jews held that against him. Uh, they held that against Jesus. But everything Jesus did, he did in the guidance of God the Father. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us. He wants everything we do to be guided by God, just like Chuck's prayer a moment ago. Everything we do, we're to walk in God's guidance. Walk in God's guidance. Walk with God. Live with God. Let him lead you in the decisions you make and in the road you take. Let God guide you. Let him walk with you. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus who always set his eyes on the Father. We should always be in prayer. Always be, be talking to God as you walk with God. Amen? Walk with him. Walk with him in prayer. Let him guide you. Let him lead you. There are two critical areas we're going to look at this morning. Two critical areas to stay in tune with God, to stay in touch with God as we walk with God. All right? And the first area is this. It has to do with our time. Walk in God's guidance, waiting on His time. Waiting on His time. Let's take a look. Verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea, because He knew the Jews were waiting to take His life. The word at, where it says after this means after Jesus uh, healed that man in Bethesda. It was it happened to be on the Passover. It was six months prior to this time. After the Jews, the Jews questioned him about it, and he claimed to be equal with God, so they tried to kill him. After this, after these things, Jesus purposely went to Galilee. That's up north. You have Judea to the south, Samaria in the middle, and you got Galilee up on top. Jesus up to the north. Jesus went to Galilee where his family lived. And he stayed there purposely, on purpose, for now. For now. He, he went there, and it says that he went, it, what does it say? He went around Galilee. The more literal translation is that he was walking. Walking in Galilee. Jesus was walking, but he wasn't walking alone. He was walking with his disciples. He took his 12 disciples with him. And he, it was important for him to take the time to train them, to teach them, because they were his future leaders. So he would walk around ministering to the people, performing miracles, proclaiming the message of the kingdom of God. He took that time with his disciples. He took that time and he was using that time as God led him. But there was a feast that was about to come. It was, it, the Bible says it here, it was near, verse 2, the Feast of Tabernacles. Every Jewish male was expected to be at the Feast of Tabernacles. For Jesus, it wasn't a question of when he would go, but when, uh, I mean, where, if he would go, but when he would go. Now, his brothers, his brothers, let's take a look at verse, verse 3 and 4. His brothers were another matter. <laughs> verse 3 and 4, you see, his brothers did not believe in Jesus. Matter of fact, in what they're going to say right now, it looks like they're trying to be sarcastic to Jesus. Verse 3, 3 and 4, it says, Jesus' brother said to him, you ought to go to Judea. 
that the disciples may see you, the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. You see, they didn't yet fully understand who Jesus was. They didn't yet. And Jesus wasn't about to be persuaded to act in their time. He wasn't going to act in the world's time. He was going to act in what? God's time. Amen? God's time. So walking in God's guidance is to wait on his time. Jesus was waiting. He was waiting. Yes, he did go. Yes, he did go. But it would be after they, 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 they went. And he didn't go in public as they uh, were telling him. He went secretly. We'll look at that. But he was waiting on God's time, waiting on his opportune time. Look at Jesus' answer, verse 6. The right time for me has not yet come. Now, the word time there in the original language has to do with a, 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 a fullness of time, a ripe time, a, a ripe full of opportunity, an opportune time. See, God has opportune times for us to do what he wants us to do. Jesus was, was waiting for the opportune time. That word opportune is the same word that's used in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, where Apostle Paul says this, make the most of your time. The New International Version translates that, make the most of every opportunity. You see, God has uh, times of opportunity for us where he opens the door for us to accomplish the task that he wants us to do. As we wait upon his time, wait for those opportunities. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing here. That's exactly what he was doing. He went to the feast. This was called the Feast of Tabernacles, otherwise known as the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths or Tabernacles were a feast where they, uh, families, uh, it was a seven-day feast. Families would set up, construct, uh, booths or tents. Really, there was a tent. They would actually live in these tents. It would be made of light uh, uh, branches and leaves. But it was to be a reminder of the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness having to live in tents like this. And uh, when they lived in these tents in the wilderness, uh, God led them in a certain type of way, and that is this. God would send a cloud to, on top, to, to set on top of the tabernacle, the main meeting tent of, the, of the, uh, the worship tent. He sent a cloud, a cloud by day, a cloud of fire by night. And Numbers chapter 9 tells us, Numbers chapter 9 tells us that when the, the cloud would settle upon verse 17, 917, it says, it says this, it says, Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. In other words, they were waiting for the cloud to lift off the tabernacle. It might have been a short time. It might have been a long time. It might have been during the day. It might have been during the night. But whenever that cloud moved, that was God telling them it's time to go. And that was, they were waiting on God's time. Now, we don't have a cloud today to, to lead us, right? But we have God's word. We have God's spirit to lead us as we wait 
on his time. The Bible says it this way, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, that we're to walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? It means to walk in the power of the Spirit. It means to bear the fruit of the Spirit. It means to be led by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are called children of God. Waiting on God's time, being guided by His Spirit. This takes discernment. This takes understanding. To know the movement of His Spirit. So how do you get this discernment? How do you get this understanding? You get it by trusting him. You get it by trusting him. You get it by trusting in his word. You get it by trusting him in, in prayer. And you get it by trusting his spirit to lead you at the opportune time. Waiting on his time. Waiting on God's time. That is the first. That is the first area, the critical area, his opportune time. Not only his opportune time, but waiting on his perfect time. His perfect time. Jesus was doing things in God's perfect time. He did go, as I said, he did go to this festival, but he did it in secret. The, the Jews were there asking for him, verse 11, they were asking the people, where is he? Where is he? They wanted to arrest him. That's why Jesus, he was waiting. He was waiting, but he went in God's time and he went in secret. So he was kind of behind the scenes here. He was behind the scenes um, until about halfway through the festival. About the third or the fourth day, suddenly Jesus appeared in the temple and began to teach. You see, this was the perfect time. Because this was a time where the largest crowds would be gathered. This was a time where most people could be reached. This was a time of maximum impact. It was God's time. And Jesus had, had come in God's perfect time. You know, there are times where God wants us to move in his perfect time. To guide us. You know, sometimes, sometimes uh, a success or failure all depends upon timing. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I want to give a, I want to give a, a, a shout out. He's not here today, but usually we have a, a family here in the back. We have a young man by the name of Zion. And he plays for the, uh, he, he plays on the baseball team at Series High School. And he's a catcher for that team. And I understand he's a very good hitter. He gets a lot of hits. And, uh, you know, the difference between striking out and getting a hit has everything to do with timing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, when you swing the bat at just the right time and just the right place, you make contact. Okay? And that's what Zion is doing in his baseball team. You know what? That's just what Jesus is doing right now. He's making contact. He's the light of the world. He's making contact in the darkness and breaking through with his light. Jesus is making contact in his time. Apostle Paul talks about this. Making contact. You know, Paul says that our spiritual battle is a battle with the darkness. You know, it's a battle with darkness. It's a battle 
We have to fight every day within ourselves. We have the old sinful nature. We have to battle against. We have to battle with the darkness. Apostle Paul says it this way. He says it's like an athlete. He uses different illustrations of different athletes. He talks about the runner. He talks about the wrestler. He even talks about the boxer. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. He uses himself as an illustration of a boxer. <laughs> Apostle Paul the boxer. <laughs> he says, I don't fight like one hitting the air. When I fight, I fight to make contact. I swing so I, at the right time, at the right place, so I make contact with the darkness and break through with the light. Break through with the light. Waiting on God's perfect time <coughs> to make that contact. Contact with the light. You know, it might be the darkness in our own sinful nature that we battle with. It might be the spiritual darkness in the world around us that we battle with. But we're to do it in God's time. We're to act in His perfect time and break through with the light. Do the deeds. He directs you. Uh, practice the disciplines of the faith that He directs. Give the encouraging word to somebody that He directs. Do the good work that, of God that He directs. Uh, give a witness for Jesus Christ that He directs. Because when you do that, and when you do it in God's time, you're going to break through the dark. You're going to make contact. You're going to make contact with the darkness and break through with the light. You do it in God's perfect time. You know, Jesus said it this way. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus was teaching in the temple. He, he, he taught at that perfect time. He was teaching God's truths in God's perfect time, and people were coming to faith. And, and, and God was using it, and they tried to arrest him, verse 30. They did try to arrest him, but if you notice what it says in verse 30, it wasn't God's time. Look at this, verse 30. And they tried to seize him, but no one could lay a hand on him because it wasn't yet his time. See, moving in God's time. The first time we heard, we hear this verse was at the wedding of Cana when the wine ran out. You'll remember, Jesus' mother told Jesus, Jesus, they ran out of wine. What did Jesus say? Dear woman, why do you advise, why do you involve me? It is not yet my time. You see, Jesus, it wasn't time. Jesus' time had not come. Verse 6. Verse 6, he told his brother, the right time for me has not come. It was not time for Jesus, it, the, Jesus, it was not time that had not come for him to be glorified. The time had not come to him to be crucified. But it would come. And when it did come, and it did come, it would be the perfect time. Romans 5, verse 6, you see, just at the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly just at the right time. And when he did, when he did, and when he rose from the dead, the lightness burst through the darkness. Satan was defeated through the cross. Jesus triumphed over the devil. He triumphed over the demons because he walked in God's time. He waited on God's time. That's what he wants us to do. That's what God wants us to do. 
we're to wait on his time, his, his opportune time, his perfect time. Not only are we to uh, wait on his time, but the second critical area in walking in God's guidance is the area of truth. Recognize his truth. You see, truth is something to be recognized. Truth is something to be discovered. When it comes to walking in God's guidance, truth is something to be followed. Psalm chapter 86, verse 11. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Truth is something that we're to walk in. We're to walk in the truth. But how do we walk in the truth? How do we follow the truth? Well, to do it, first of all, you follow the truth, the word of truth. Second of all, not only do you follow the word of truth, but you follow the way of truth. What did Jesus say, John 14, 6? I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is both the way and the truth. We're to follow him. We're to recognize. We're to recognize who he is. We're to recognize him as the truth. His brothers didn't. His brothers didn't. We're to recognize him with the eyes to see. Eyes to see. Verse 5. Isn't this interesting? His brothers did not believe in him. They didn't believe in him yet. They would. But they didn't believe in him yet. Who were Jesus' brothers? Ah, interesting question. Hmm? Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, tells us specifically who they were. There were four. James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Now, that's not the Judas of the 12 disciples. It's another Judas. What's interesting is this. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, two of those four brothers wrote books in the New Testament. James wrote the book of James. Judas, or Jude, wrote the book of Jude. Isn't that great? They became the spiritual leaders. Matter of fact, James was a leader of the mother church in Jerusalem of all Christianity at the early church after Jesus rose. Jesus' brothers. But at this time, but at this time, they did not believe in him. Incidentally, they were half-brothers, of course, because Jesus' father was God. But at this time, they said to him in verse 4, and I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation because I think it really gets the point across. In verse 4, they said, you can't become, you can't become famous if you hide like this. You, you can do so, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. You see, they were, not, they were not fully convinced yet. They didn't fully understand yet. They were under the impression that Jesus was trying to be famous. They were under the impression that Jesus wanted to glorify himself. The, the truth was right in front of them, but they did not have eyes to see. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He said, I am not come here to be served, but to serve. He didn't come to glorify himself. He came to glorify God. He didn't come to teach, to, to give his teaching to honor himself. He came to teach to honor the one who sent him. Verse 18. Verse 18. It says this. Jesus says in verse 18, he who speaks on his own does, does, uh, does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Jesus' humility proved him as a man of truth. Your humility as a, as a 
people who seek to glorify God and serve God approves you as people of truth. People of truth. Making a difference in the shadows. Um, in your bulletin this morning, there's an article that I want to thank Casey for. Casey provided that for us. Thank you, Casey. Oh, okay. I'll see this. Humble man. <laughs> thank you, Casey. Uh, written by Jeff Org. Now, Jeff Org is the president of, of the seminary that I uh, graduated from, now called Gateway Seminary. Incidentally, for all you baseball fans, Jeff Org was also the chaplain of the San Francisco Giants when they won the World Series. How about that? <laughs> and he writes this article, and I think it's a great one. Encourage you to read it. We'll read it a little bit of it in just a second. But this is an article he writes about shadow Christians. Christians who serve often behind the scenes, but they know their work matters to God. Let's look at let's look at chapter let's look at paragraph one. You might even look at it it's right in your bulletin there. First paragraph. He says this. He says, shadow Christians are people who work in dimly lit margins. The shadows created by the spotlight shining on others. They are believers who serve quietly, often anonymously, doing the work that keeps church, families, and communities functioning. Shadow Christians make an impact even when no one knows their name. They care for the children. They drive friends to the doctor. They prepare meals for others to enjoy give money to sustain ministries, clean up after the meetings. Shadow Christians are the unseen army, million strong, who take their faith seriously and see themselves as role players in God's grand plan and seldom give any thought to being recognized for their service. You know, we have many shadow Christians here at Calvary Baptist Church. Amen? Amen. Serving the Lord for His glory. Humbly. You're people of truth, following the truth, because you see the truth in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service to the Lord. Walk in God's guidance. Recognize His truth, not only with eyes to see it, but with ears to hear it. With ears to hear, ears to hear. The Jews were at the temple, and they were amazed. Look at this, verse 15. They were amazed once Jesus opened his mouth and started to teach. Look at this, verse 15. The Jews were amazed, and they asked, how did this man get such learning without having study? He didn't go to, he didn't go to uh, uh, any formal theological school. He didn't go to Gateway Seminary. Wait a minute. <laughs> He didn't have any uh, uh, rabbi, uh, uh, accredited rabbi that he sat under. How did he get this knowledge? Jesus answered them in the very next verse. And he gives credit to the Father. And he says at this, verse 16, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. Jesus giving credit to the Father. So what about us? What about us today? What, what help do we have in studying the Scriptures? Well, we have pastors and teachers. We have study guides. And those are, those are all very, very important. 
But ultimately, if you're going to hear personally from God, if you're going to be touched and changed by God, you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit that the Father would send. Listen to these words. He says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring back to your remembrance all that I've taught you. See, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our counselor. He's our teacher. We know nothing unless we know it from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that anoints us, that illuminates our mind and heart, illuminates us to light up, that changes us, that moves us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And you receive the Holy Spirit when you receive Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus taught these truths at the temple. He taught the truths about himself. He taught the truths about sin. He taught the truths about justice and judgment. You know, the Holy Spirit leads us to understand these things, but the world cannot hear. The world will not hear it. Look at verse 7. He says, the world cannot, cannot hate you, but it hates me. Why? Because I testify that what it does is evil. He calls a sin a sin. He calls God's judgment God's judgment. The world doesn't want to hear it. The world does not want to hear it. You see, truth requires judgment. You have to make a judgment. Somebody says they're telling you the truth. You've got to decide, is it true or is it false? Jesus says, I'm the truth. You've got to decide, do I accept him or do I reject him? Truth is like a sword. That's why Jesus said it this way in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, verse, 30, uh, verse 34. He said, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. What was he talking about? Jesus was talking about the decision you got to make if you're going to follow him. You, you can't sit on the fence. No decision is a decision. If you're going to follow Christ, it's going to cause division. It's going to cause division. It's going to cause debates. Even among family members, there'll be division. There'll be debate. And that's what was happening right here. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at verse 12 and 13. It says this. Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, he deceives people. You see it there? Already. You've got that division going on. But you know what? Look at the next verse, verse 13. No one would say anything publicly because of fear of the Jews. You see, this was a suppression of the truth. This was a suppression of the truth. In Russia today, there is a law that Putin has put forward, and it is this. And it suppresses the truth of what's going on in the war in Ukraine. A, a journalist who writes anything that disagrees with the Kremlin about what is going on in the war is guilty of a crime that has a penalty of 15 years in prison. That's suppressing the truth. Keeping it from going out. Satan wants to suppress the truth. He wants to suppress the truth about Jesus. He wants to suppress the truth about the gospel of Christ. But Jesus says there's a key. 
Jesus says there's a key to open up the door and to receive the truth, to understand the truth. And he says it in verse 17. He says this. If anyone chooses, you know, he's aware of the debate going on about him. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether I'm te- my teaching comes from God or whether I'm speaking of my own. You see, God reveals his will to the willing. God reveals his truth to those who are willing to follow his truth. The key is a willing heart. You want to know the truth? you got to have a willing heart. God will lead you. God will guide you. But you've got to have a willing heart. God reveals his truth to the willing. Walk. In God's guidance, waiting on his time. Like the Israelites waited for the cloud to be lifted from the tabernacle, they moved as God led them. So we should move as the Spirit leads, leads in opportunity, in opportune times, in perfect times, in times when we make the contact with the darkness to break through with the light. Not only are we to wait on his time, but we're to recognize his truth. Like the shadow Christians who see the truth of Christ, who live for the glory of Christ, and let the Holy Spirit be your helper, your counselor, and your guide. Let him teach you. Have the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, and then make that decision. You've got to make a decision. Make the decision to stand on Jesus Christ. Ever start a walk with his students while he taught them? God walks with you and teaches you as you walk with him. Our walk is our personal lifestyle. Let it be a lifestyle in touch with God. Let it be a lifestyle in tune with God. Let it be a lifestyle guided by God. Walk in the guidance of God. Amen? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your spirit. We thank you for the spirit that guides us, Lord, and how you guide us, Father, in your time and to recognize your truths. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that enlightens us. Help us to really depend upon your spirit in, in, in the things that we do and how we understand things. Just lead us. Continue to lead us, Father. All who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for your wisdom, how you moved in God's time, how you were glorified in God's time, and you brought light to the world because you are the light. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a hymn of invitation.